Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So there are doping tests in football, not as many as you would like. There's no doubt that you can benefit from doing different types of doping, so it's not a question about whether they can have positive effects of that and you consider the money that is there. So it is, would be strange if do doping is not existing. Med bara några dagar kvar till VM i Ryssland så känns det som att det mesta kring lagen har nagelfarts ner i minsta molekyl i VM-biblar, uppsnacksprogram och andra djupdykningar. Och när det gäller de kvalificerade 32 lagens uppladdningar är det minutiös planering som gäller för att kräma ut max av spelarna när det väl är avspart. Men det finns de som hävdar att fotbollen fortfarande har en bit att vandra innan man till fullo utnyttjar de tekniska och vetenskapliga kunskaper som finns om kroppens prestationsförmåga. En som har ett ben i bägge lägren är den före detta danske landslagsspelaren Jens Bangsbo som har kombinerat rollen som professor i fysiologi vid Köpenhamns universitet med jobb som assisterande tränare i både danska landslaget och i Juventus. Jag kontaktade honom för att få reda på var de vita fläckarna på fotbollskartan finns vad det gäller möjligheten att påverka spelarnas fysiska prestation både på laglig och olaglig väg. Men vi börjar som vanligt med en fakta ute. Age? Uh, 60. Where do you live? Uh, I live in Espergare, outside of Copenhagen. Family? Yes, I have family, wife and three children. Education? I'm uh, educated in mathematics and sports physiology uh, at the University of Copenhagen and I have a doctorate degree in, in exercise physiology and I'm presently a professor at the university. But you also have a football education? Yes, I'm a UEFA pro-licensed coach uh, and have been spending some time coaching full-time. I was in Juventus for five years, three years as assistant coach for Marcello Lippi, the former the winning later on the World Cup with Italy in 2006. And uh, last year I was in Turkey together with Leonardo, the former coach of Milan Inter and sports director of Paris Saint-Germain. And he called me and asked me whether I want to join him for an adventure in uh, in Turkey. And we trained a Turkish team there. That has stopped because the president left the club and the 
all their money disappeared at the same time. We had players like Eto, uh, which you may know, who you may know, and uh, and Nasri, former Manchester City, and a number of other good players. So it was a, I suppose, an exciting time. And uh, what's your salary here at the? <laughs> Uh, too low, too low for sure, and it's. I think it's better to be a football coach. I can tell you. Who is the best player in football's history, according to you? Uh, this is a difficult uh, question, as every journalist likes to answer, uh, to ask that question. Even they like to answer the question as well. Uh, it's uh, we have had quite a lump of excellent football players and I will mention the usual ones, uh, Messi of course, Ronaldo are, are great stars at the moment, Maradona of course was a big player, Pelé uh, I have seen but uh, this is so many years so it's not easy to compare that. Myself I spent a lot of time actually with uh, Zinedine Zidane who I believe is one of the major players in the history of football as well and now even as a coach. Which is your favorite team and why? Yeah, it is uh, it is Juventus, and uh, because I spent so much time with with the team, and I still have a very close relationship to to the people around and and the players. It's uh, it's good fun to come back to Juventus and see uh, Gigi Buffon uh, raising his arm two hundred meters before you actually enter the field, and so saying welcome back. Welcome home. So it's a family and uh, Juventus is definitely still my team. If you look at football-wise, what's the biggest you've kind of achieved? Juventus or? Yeah, no, no for you, you in your I, career. I, I, okay, yeah. sorry. I don't think I achieved anything major, but uh, it was a great experience to actually uh, being part in creating a, the Juventus team because when I arrived, they, they were fifth in the league. And we ended up playing the Champions League final two years later. So we created something special, I believe, in the group around the team. So I think that process also because I came with another philosophy that I was allowed to introduce in Juventus, which was quite unique. As there's quite few founders in, in in the coaching staff in, in Italy, actually. So it was a it was a great to be a part of, of that achievement, reaching the, the Champions League final, winning the, the, the Scudetto, the Italian league, uh, which they hadn't done for, for a number of years. We won two years in a row then. So that was something special to me. Uh, what has been the most exciting for you in a, when it comes to football? If there's a special game that you won or something? Uh, being to the World Cup uh, with the Danish national team, European Championship, these events are are unique. These are things that you will remember for forever. Uh, they, on an individual basis, I would say, is actually developing of players, seeing great players become even greater. We had at my time Pavel Nedved, who was a great player, but not top, top player, but he actually the, in two years' time became the, the greatest player in, in Europe, winning, the, winning the, the golden ball. So seeing that developing based on initiative we took in terms of looking at his strengths and how to develop those. Basically all the individual work saying, okay, we, we can develop you even though you have reached a level, even though you have reached an age of 25, 26 years. Seeing that development uh, was was something special, I believe. Uh, what well, what was your best subject in school? Uh, it was probably mathematics. <laughs> what makes you afraid? Afraid uh, is something happened with my children and family. This is the only thing I actually fear. When were you really happy latest? I'm often happy and uh, happy when you achieve something that can be small things, big things. Uh, you are happy at the moment you're winning a semi-final in the Champions League against uh, Real Madrid 3-1 at home and you qualify for the final. This is a great moment, not because you're, you're not alone with that feeling because there are 65,000 people on the, on, 
on the spectators that will support your feeling so so it's easy to get that feeling so there's a lot of small things in in the daily life that also makes me happy what's your most expensive uh, stuff that you bought uh, this is the swedish car of course uh, i bought a volvo car and, and you know they are quite expensive also in denmark or even more in denmark Meeting you, you're an interesting combination of a former player played in the top league of Denmark and also for the national team a couple of games, but you're also educated as a, a coach and also a professor in physiology and mathematics. How come you ended up working so much with football? Nah, football I have been interested in since I was five, starting uh, my my first steps on in the football club and always been fascinating with, with the team sport being together with very people from very different type of social classes and so and having that interaction you have the common language of football which have always interested me and that's also why i started studying the sports physiology understanding further what was going on so it was, has been a natural step to to be involved in football also after I finished my career as, as a football player. I was actually an instructor when I was a football player. When I was 24, I was instructor for the Danish Football Federation. So I had my coach, he was an instructor as well. So we met on these occasions actually uh, to deliver courses together, but also having a common discussion about how to develop football in Denmark. So. I have always been involved in football, uh, independent on my work at the university. Uh, my feeling, it might not be right, but is that football not always mixes with science, not that well. It seems that it's two different worlds. They don't really always listen to science. What's your view? Oh, you may be right, but I think it's not necessarily the problem problem of football or the people in football. It's more a question about ability to to actually speak the same language because there's a lot of science you cannot directly apply in a football setting, even though it may seem logical. You need to introduce that. You need to apply that in a way where it works in football. And there I do have the advantages, I, I must say, of, at least a claim I have that I have the insect in football. I am now responsible for the education, the physical education in the Asian Football Federation. That means all the countries in Asia. And there I say for the people going into the fitness, fitness instructors, fitness coaches, these people do need to have a football education as well. We don't want to have people from athletic coming in and actually tell what the football coaches are supposed to do. We wanted to educate them in football, to have an understanding of football before you apply all these theories or ideas in football. So it is not the problem of soccer necessarily. It could be because many coaches are quite conservative, but it is also a question about the people in, in science that may not be able actually to apply the information they have in a practical session. And we do see that in the Premier League, for example, every club has a scientific uh, department, head of performance, they usually call that. But these people are not talking to a great extent with the head coach and have that influence on the training, as they could have if they actually were able to translate that information into practice. Yeah, is that because they don't speak the same language in a way? Yeah, you may say so. And it is, it's a tough one to convince the coach that you have something to offer. Uh, because the coach has a long experience. And if you have the top clubs in Premier League, many of these coaches have been coaching for many years, except for the coaches that just have been playing. And then they have enough to do just to, to coach the team, have no idea what they're supposed to do. Uh, I remember Southgate, uh, I met him for a course. Uh, Gareth Southgate, now yeah. uh, coach for England going to the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, and I met him and he said, I, suddenly I was the coach of Middlesbrough. I had no idea, no clue of what I was supposed to do. So such a guy would have difficulties also to then adapt the scientific knowledge and so on. Now he's the head coach of, of the English national team. But... 
but just to say that this is not so easy just to have that connection. And I must say, uh, I was quite impressed because I was in, in Juventus and uh, I was there primarily when I came as a consultant for the physical part. And they had three physical coaches. We were discussing uh, how they were supposed to do. And at a point I said, we cannot just discuss this. We need to look at the tactical, technical aspect as well. And then they say, it's not us. Then you have to talk with the head coach. And then I talked with the head coach and that was Carlo Ancelotti at that time and, and after that we established a very close relationship because he, he had a belief that I had something to offer. But that shows that there are coaches understanding that there may be some benefit of, of listening to people from the scientific world. You've, you've been a player yourself uh, and how has football changed looking into things, how you eat, how you sleep, how, you, how has football changed the last 30 years? No, but that has changed a lot and it's also seen on the field. If you look at the Premier League, if you compare data from uh, in the mid-2000s uh, to, to now, nowadays there has increased high-intensity work by 40%, sprinting, uh, 100% increase in the distance in sprinting. So there, has, there have been a lot of changes in football and demands in the game, but there has also been a lot of changes in in, in the behavior of the football player. There has been a greater understanding of actually living a professional life. You may say 15, 20 years ago, some of the players were not professional. I didn't see that actually in Juventus because I think that was a special situation. But, but it, these things have changed. And Wenger is a, one good example of you can introduce these things and be successful with that, as he did in 2004 or 2005, whatever, when he started at Arsenal. And these things have been changed, and the people, the players are asking now also, uh, requiring more, and that's what should be the future. We need to develop a players that are actually asking for these. I mentioned the individual analysis, but also individual training. And I'm not sure players have reached that level yet, but that should be the future. You have to ask for your personal development, not only. Uh, to develop yourself, but also in order to see that in relation to the team perspective. If you look at the football in, in the Nordic countries, I mean, we have less resources, even if FC Copenhagen has a lot of resources, it's small resources compared to Premier League clubs. How do you think this approach is uh, working in, in the Nordic countries, Sweden, Denmark? Do they take this seriously? I do think they do. But I, want, I also think they fool themselves. Because every time we talk about these things, people are talking about money. So forget about money. You can do these things because it doesn't cost much. You may not be able to buy the same type of players as they do in the Premier League or in the Spanish League. But you can develop your players in the same methods as, as we are doing with the, with the great players. So it's often an excuse. We start saying this is not our tradition, this is not what we have resources for. But forget about that. These are just excuses. We can, we can reach a higher level, I believe, in, in Scandinavia by, by having a more strict approach. Why isn't that happening? It is happening, I'm sure. I, I don't follow it enough to, to actually say it's not happening, but I, I think there is this tradition and it starts actually with the management. It's not just a question about a coach. It starts with the management. They have to set the level they want to reach and they may not be able to do that because they don't have the capacity or may not select the right people actually to structure their sporting development uh, but they have to raise the bar and then say okay to reach this point we need to have a coach that do this and this and then they start appointing the coach nowadays they just take the coaches as they do in many other countries, Italy, they take the same coaches and they are turning them around. But finding a coach that actually can achieve, have a reasonable chance to achieve the goal you are setting. So I think the future is you have to have a management around the club and a structure and ideas that are more ambitious than we see at the moment. Everybody wants to be in the top three, but nobody tells actually the people around how to reach that top three. When you say that it's not about the money, they can use the same methods. What is the most important part of those methods that they could use? Uh, basically, it's a structured way of working with the team. 
that can be tactical development, that can be individual technical development, individual development generally. All that things need to be in place. But after that, they need to make sure that this, the mental aspect is in place. That means that in our group, we are doing things this way. And this is what we have to respect. You see the big teams, they know what to do. Real Madrid is an excellent example of that. They face all the problems in the tournament. They face the problems in the game. They are lucky actually sometimes to survive that. And why are they lucky? Because they have created that. They have a group that knows what they want to do and how to do these things. It's not necessarily the coach. It may be, and this is what you have to develop, the players on the field that know how to handle those difficulties you always will face. And this is a very, very important aspect of a head coach to understand how do I create that? What's the base when I come and how can I develop based on that? And sometimes you should never come because the base is not there. So you forget about try to develop that at that, that club maybe. So I believe having that clear approach saying I want to develop that which require this and this. And sometimes you require that you actually take two of the best players away from the team because they cannot fit into the culture you try to create. You worked with the Danish national team also. What, were, what was your role? Yeah, I was an assistant coach uh, and, and basically I was responsible for the physical part, but I have always been involved in all parts of the, the football and this was a very good thing about the head coach Maud Olsen because he wants to in interact with everybody around the team so we spent a lot of time discussing all aspects related to that like coming back from, from a game uh, in a pre-game before the World Cup in South Africa we are 26 players in the group we have to select 23, we, that means three players have to leave the, the squad the next morning. We are coming home at one o'clock in the morning and he says, guys, it's time now to discuss this. So we spent five hours discussing which three guys were not supposed to join in South Africa. Everybody was involved and we discussed that five hours at the end of the day at the next morning at nine o'clock the three players were called we talked with them we explained them why we had made that decision so but he had an incredible ability actually to involve people so it was also the tactical aspect everybody knew he was going to make the final decision and it's it is the way it has to be but that involvement uh, made me uh, very happy by, by working with the national team being uh, responsible for the physical part, how how important is it? I know the last Swedish coach, he, he worked a lot with uh, uh, what they ate and he took tests, the fat percentage and things like that. He even dropped the player and because he said he had too high fat percentage. Is yeah. that the right way to work? That's part of it. We, we just have to be careful not... Uh, doing things to to be too eager on the details. Fine, nutrition needs to be in place. Sometimes you can even accept that this is not optimal, because it's basically at the end of the day, it's it's the performance of the player that counts. And when does he or she perform? Is at the moment where he feels the best, best prepared, feeling as part of the group understand the tactical aspect and so spend the time on that make sure this is okay then you work on the details as well but it doesn't have to be an issue so you have to work on that two years before you actually come to a final it's not to do something specific for that final because that should just be part of the normal routine and why is it part of the routine is because this guy actually had benefited from that and therefore he had introduced that in his own life at home what we did with the Danish national team before the World Cup European Championship was that we asked the players to report all their activities for half a year before they came. And you may say it's part of control to understand what we are doing. Sometimes they were not dependent themselves because it was the club that organized things. But it allowed us to have a contact with them and discussing issues during, during that period. And that 
that's a way to work, I believe, from a national coach. It's not just the event. It is the entire period between the events and when you're not with the national team. And I remember we had special session with some of the guys uh, because they may not have been playing on the Sunday and the group was together. And I make specific sessions for uh, the players and the attacker doing different type of activities. And then at the end of the activity, he said, can't we do the same tomorrow? I said, no, tomorrow we're doing something with the team and uh, we can repeat this later on, but not tomorrow. So I asked him, why don't you do this at home? I said, oh yeah, maybe I could. So, so why don't you ask your assistant coach whether he could do some of these activities with you? Oh yes, that may be an issue. And coming back to the players, actually should require more in the clubs than they do. And I think working with a national team is just, just when the team is together, it's also a lot about what can you do when you don't have the team because you don't physically, you cannot develop in 10 days for two games you are playing not much, you can do a little bit, but not much. Before a World Cup or a final, you can do a lot more. But still, the basic has to be done before they arrive in, in the training camp. How, how much help do you have today when there's, I mean, the technology has made it easier to have contact and get the test results and things like that? How has that developed your type of work? Uh, it has for sure. You have a lot of uh, possibilities nowadays and you see every team seeing training and even in matches they use GPS and so on and you have a lot of information from that. You have heart rate measurements, you have perceived exertion, they explain themselves how they feel. You can do very simple tests in order to understand what's the actual recovery level of a player or how much training can he do. So there's a lot of possibilities. The challenge now is actually to optimize the use of this. Uh, I've been in Manchester United a number of times. I'm seeing these three guys from university spending all day working on the data from a training session. But which data are important? And well, how is that going to influence the training the day after and the day after that is the issue. And I'm not sure they have reached it. There was at the time of Ferguson and he did really well, but it's still lot to be learned how to optimize that information and we are working with a company now to to try to organize that in a better way where people actually will get some answers rather than questions uh, which can help them in in the daily training planning because it's a busy day for a manager not only being on the field to do the the training but also having a check on all the other things that happen around the team you've also worked with uh, players on their own or is that uh, that's something I read I'm not sure uh, not specifically I had I had a tournée with uh, with Nike where and it was a good experience uh, went for some of the top players Tevez uh, Fabregas uh, Ronaldinho Pato uh, these guys 10-15 of those guys uh, and I had two hours with them and I made four exercises for them. I said, your special competence is speed, your special competence TV is uh, uh, coordination. And then we had specific exercises for them. So that's the only thing I've been working with. But the most exciting things about that was not the exercise, it was the response from the guys. So coming a stranger, Dane, even a Scandinavian, coming and telling them for two hours what they have to do. Why? Why should I? They did it because they actually somehow believed that that could be interesting, believing also maybe it could benefit them. So they were responding very, very positive to that. So this is the only thing I've done individual basis, except for the Danish national team will have given programs to players uh, in the preparation uh, for even for their tournament, not only for their for, for the finals, but also afterwards they asked me to make a special preparation programs for them. You've also invented the yo-yo test, correct? Yeah. Yes. What, what's the key with that? The key is it's simple. You can test 30 players in 15 minutes and you get a very good picture of the ability to recover. I told about the importance in football is the ability to do high intensity work. Everybody can do that for, for once or twice, but can you repeatedly do that in the game which may be crucial for the outcome? 
if Cristiano Ronaldo is finished after 40 minutes, he cannot run anymore, he has a problem. He doesn't have that problem. But, but you can test that in the test. We see this correlated well to the high-intensity work in the game. You can not have a test that exactly expresses how they perform. Never. But at least this is a very, very simple tool to obtain information on the actual performance. And if you do that on a frequent basis, you will understand how they develop. Many players are actually decreasing their performance during the season. And if you do the test, you may see which players are not performing. You may have an injured players, you try to do the test again to understand what is his level actually, where is he back in terms of being able to perform again. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Som de flesta känner till så finns det gott om genvägar att ta när det kommer till att höja idrottars fysiska prestationer. Dopingdebattens vågor har gått höga de senaste åren. Framförallt efter McLaren-rapportens avslöjande om en omfattande statsunderstöd och systematisk doping som ryska förbund gjort sig skyldig till. Men vad det gäller sporten fotboll så har de här frågorna svårt att få plats på agendan. Systematiska tester görs egentligen bara i samband med mästerskap. Och känslan är att det är skygglappar på hos såväl de nationella förbunden som hos FIFA och UEFA. Men hur ser verkligheten ut? Och hur mycket har fotbollsspelare att tjäna på att dopa sig? I saw a report about because also FIFA that uh, uh, said that they had 30,000 tests that had 60 positive cases and I'm not sure what the numbers are. Uh, so there are doping tests in football. Not as many as you will like because all of us would like to, to have a, a sport that is without doping. You may ask why do we do not have more? It's not just a question about the test. I believe it is still is a culture. You may think I'm naive, uh, but there is a culture where it is is not regarded as as a normal thing to do. I may say that, and I never seen that ever in my life in football. Any indication of doping, and I may not be at the right places at the right moment, but anyway. I don't think that the culture is there. It's no def- there's no doubt that you can benefit from doing different types of doping. So it's not a question about whether they can, they can have positive effects of that and you consider the money that is there. So it is, would be strange if do- doping is not existing. But I would say at my time at Juventus, we had two players every game from our team, two for the opponent that were tested. So it was difficult for them at least to, 
to manage how they were going to dope themselves in the tournament because at least they were they tested 10 times in the season. And so that was quite restrictive, I would say, in Italy, at least in my time. So I think it's, it's more a culture issue. Uh, and I've never had anybody asking me if any advice in relation to that either. And they may believe that I understand what would be beneficial to do. So somehow, I don't think it is, is developed to a great extent. It can be systematic in Russia. We've seen that for the other sports, so why not football? Uh, it's difficult to believe that that should not be part of that. But, but I'm talking about club bases here and talking about national teams. Every national team before the World Cup, all the players are actually tested now. Uh, so. Yeah, actually, uh, when, uh, when we meet the day before, the Swedish squad, yeah. they had FIFA, they took blood tests and urine. Yeah. What could they discover from those tests? They can discuss some of the general things you will look for in, in terms of, of doping and some of these are anabolic steroids, it's a, a growth hormone, it is EPO that will also actually benefit uh, football players, it's not only for cyclists EPO and uh, some of these things, there are also the beta 2 agonists uh, that some players actually are allowed to take because of the asthma. But one uh, player that I talked to, he plays in France, and he said he played there for two years. He hasn't ha had a doping test for two years in France. Yeah. Uh, if you consider that, that there is not that many doping tests, is it possible that you could prepare yourself during like a winter and then stop taking and you wouldn't be discovered in this test a couple of weeks before the World Cup? Yeah, yeah. you could do that. But the winter and World Cup is, is a longer period, that's five months or whatever, but or three months. But anyway, um, yes, you can do that. And in football, we don't have whereabouts, which they do have in other sports where they actually have to, to tell where they are so they can make uh, visits, uh, on, unpleasant visits maybe. No, no, but this is an issue. We need to increase the number of doping tests in, in football for sure. And, uh, Why do you think UEFA and FIFA, they don't want to do whereabouts, which is where you report where you are? They don't want that. Yeah, why do France not do more doping tests and so on? Uh, you have to ask them. Uh, yeah, why can, do you yeah. think? You've, you've been in the industry <laughs> yeah, for a long time. Yeah, 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 why yeah. do you think? No, the obvious question is that it may not be that's uh, good for the sport if you actually have a huge number of recordings. I think the, the international cycling organization are struggling a bit and they still are even though they claim that a point that they could control this which is apparently not the case. They don't want to be a new uh, cycling association I believe and I still think people have that in mind when they uh, try to restrict the number of tests and you and they may claim economy and all that issues that's bullshit because the economy is in football and you should do it more in the favor of the sport of course if you look at the if you're a player how can you become better through doping if you're a football player Men, some people I talk to say that, oh, it's not used in football that much because you can't benefit that much. How would you say that you can benefit? First, we say football is a more complex sport than cycling or running and so on. So it's not obvious that even though you are doping yourself, I take doping, that you benefit from that. You perform better at the end of the day, you have to kick the ball in the right direction. Uh, but there are a number of issues where you can build up your muscle mass, uh, your steroids can use that in the winter time or in the pre-season where you do your power training and you will significantly benefit from that, that's for sure. The EPO has a short-term effect, so that's while the tournament is going on, or, so you try to take that a few days before you actually uh, are competing or uh, and which is a bit difficult when you have that many competitions or many games. As such, uh, growth hormone will also increase your ability to to perform. Uh, we have the beta 2 agonist that also has significant effect on the muscle uh, 
strengths or the muscle uh, development and so on. So you, there are a number of, of compounds that definitely will increase your, your ability. How can you, if you watch a, a player, you say you haven't uh, seen any doping, but if you watch a player, could you f- see that he's suspected that he, he grew so much muscle under a short time or something? Could you sp- suspect that he's taking something? Yeah, you could. And, and there, there are examples, which I'm not going to mention, but there are examples where you see people changing from one club to the other. Uh, where they, in a reasonable short time, have gained a lot of muscle mass, which can be, of course, because they're doing the power train, which they are, but can they actually gain that much in such short a period? That you may question sometimes. How many players would you think in Russia are taking or have taken something illegal? That, that that's that's impossible to try to answer that. And uh, first we said uh, that I have never seen that. So why should any of them have taken anything? Uh, I don't know uh, if they have. I have no idea uh, to what extent that that may have happened. Um, you may say some have been desperate in actually being selected for the team. It may not even be to to prepare for the tournament, but actually preparing for being selected because this is such a great issue for any football player to be present at the World Cup, which I said previously is a unique experience. In, it, in a way, it, it's surprising that you started to work for Juventus because they have had a lot of rumors and there were accusations, even a, a process in the courts in Italy, uh, even though in, I think in the end Juventus won. At least they weren't. Uh, did, there wasn't that. There wasn't prison, or maybe prison yeah. for the doctor. No, no. There was, uh, as far as I know, the case. There was. They were accused for, for for doping. There was no indication of they actually did doping. There was. Uh, I think there may have been. Uh, uh, judgment of the doctor being not responsible, sufficiently responsible for delivering medicine to the players, which was not doping, but they, you have to say, when I came to Juventus, it was a small apotheque, whatever. Is it pharmacy? What is pharmacy? Yeah, from Apotec, Apotec. pharmacy. <laughs> it was a small pharmacy yeah. in Juventus. Yes, and uh, and that was what they had been used to. But it was not only for the players; it was the family of the players. It was for the board members' families and everything. They have to support everybody in the whole environment of Juventus. So they had a lot of stuff, and maybe they gave people stuff, the players stuff that it was not clarified as. It was not doping, but it was clarified uh, the way that they subscribed that was not the way you usually did as a medical doctor. I believe it's something related to that. There was no player that ever was accused, that may be accused, but never judged for for, for, for taking doping. So the first thing we did actually was discussing what are needed of these. Should they have some vitamins? Should they have something, other supplements that may help them in terms of... Uh, uh, proteins and all the stuff of that. So we took all the other stuff away and, and tried to have a common sense delivery of these substances for the players. Weren't you worried about, I mean, your reputation going into a club that just before had been embroiled in this scandal? No, I was not concerned uh, because I believe the people I was talking with and before I, I actually uh, signed a contract with them were decent people and understood what uh, what was needed in order to achieve those uh, developing we were discussing. So and there was not that issue. That was not an issue. Uh, we said because they were open-minded in terms of reducing all this stuff. It was not saying that yeah, yeah, you can come here, but we would do all our own stuff anyway. We actually discussed that and they, because of the court, the things that were running, they were interested as well to, to get to a point where they could not be accused again. So I wasn't worried. Where, where in, in sports you kind of push the limits? Where's the, 
the limit? I mean, in Norway, there's been the skiers with the asthma spray. And uh, where do you think the, the limit is where you shouldn't pass for what you can do? Which, I mean, there are athletes taking medicine that are for sick people and they do it to perform better. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and this is a very difficult issue, I believe, we have in sport that uh, people uh, are competing uh, not on the same conditions. So you may say the guy, and there are quite a lot of those in skiing and other uh, and cycling and so on that have asthma. The question is, is that, is that the level they have to compete on and suffering for the asthma where they cannot compete under certain con conditions? Or should we try to help them compete? Then we try to help them to compete by giving them aspirin medicine and then give, giving them an advances. Then other people say, why do they have that advances? Maybe I have asthma as well, or I could have. <laughs> so I want to have the same medicine as the other guys. And there we have a very difficult issue. How are we going to control that? How are we going to handle that? I, I'm could be in favor of saying, don't take anything then. And then if you have asthma, you may not compete in this sport. And then we may take half of the top athletes in, in skiing out of that. Or they, they, all still, they, they all have asthma. Uh, some do not have, and, and they will suddenly be the gold medal winners. So it is very difficult issue. And it is so that at the Olympics, there is a significant higher number of people with winning medals with asthma than not asthma. That means that there is, and we know that, a beneficial effect of taking the asthma medicine. Should that be allowed it or not? Basically, I would say not, because it's better than we, we know what we are doing. Now we force people, healthy people, so to say, to take medicine in order to be able to compete with the other sick people that need the medicine. Uh, Interesting issue. <laughs> going into the World Cup, then we don't know that we won't get the same, uh, we won't see that the World Cup winners have a higher propensity of some kind of illness, something, because they don't test. Would you, do you have any hope that the football will change and allow more tests? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Let, as, the test will never solve the problem, never solve the problem, but at least it will make people giving a second thought at the moment where they try to cheat. And we don't want people to cheat in, in football and sport in general. So more testing for sure, uh, and why not? The money is there, the people are there, we have to get going in terms of that. Uh, to what extent we can control it, I don't think we can be very optimistic in any sport. We have the cycling, they still face the same problems they had many years ago. It's not done yet. And this is a constant discussion that needs to be taken. And, and I'm not sure we ever reach a point where we believe that we have a so-called fair sport. Uh, which you may even discuss where it is when you start talking about video analysis or whatever you do where making decisions, but it is part of the sport as well. We would like to avoid that part, but we will never be able to do that. And since you're a football coach also, who will, how will Sweden and Denmark do in the World Cup? They will do uh, very well, both qualify after the group, uh, group spillers, after the groups uh, because they know how to prepare, they know how to compete, and uh, they have unique groups that are able to actually understand at the moment they're on the field how to support each other to, to create good results. So we will have both Denmark and, and Sweden for the eighth final. Okay, will they advance further? This Sweden will probably play Brazil then, so... Yeah, Brazil is to be beat, ask Germany, you can always beat Brazil in a, in a World Cup, even in Brazil. Uh, so, uh, don't think about the matches, who you're going to play. Make sure you make a well in a group play and things can happen after that. Who do you think will win in the end? 
I believe Germany can do that again. Uh, their preparation, their many years of of developing their team, understanding that it can put new players in the team without having a significant effect on the performance or maybe even increase the performance. I believe that aspect is essential. And knowing that in a, such a long tournament as a World Cup, I believe Germany can do that again. But everything can happen in football. Even though science <laughs> is there to help. Science can make your chance of being successful even greater. Thank you very much. Thank you. Det återstår att se om vi får några domningsfall under det kommande VM i Ryssland. Men efter pratstunden med Jens Bangsbo har man känslan av att fotbollen har en lång väg att vandra innan man är på nivå med andra idrotter vad det gäller kampen mot doping. När den här podden släpps sitter jag på ett flyg till Ryssland där jag ska punktmarkera det svenska landslaget under VM för TV4 och fotbollskanalens räkning. Vi hoppas även kunna göra ett par avsnitt till innan podden tar sommarledighet. Bland annat blir det med landslagets materialar Roger Jakobsson inför VM-premiären mot Sydkorea. Vi hörs igen nästa vecka. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.